beautiful people doing on this beautiful sunny afternoon in the D I'm so happy it's not hot as it was these past couple weeks but I am happy to be here at Poetic with you I am your host Rosemarie Wilson aka One Single Rose when I'm nice aka Pearl when I'm naughty AKA Queen Rose on the house music tip. And thank you guys so much for the love that you have been showing to Poetic these past few weeks. This is a new venture, a new journey, a new Poetic um, interlude for me. And it's just been an amazing ride. And I thank you guys for coming along with me so far. Thank you very, very much. I am grateful to you. We have an amazing artist here in the studio today. She is a curator. Um, I think of her as mother and auntie, sister earth, because she is always about that peace and her ancestors. She creates some of the safest spaces here in Detroit for poetry and artists. And um, you guys are gonna be privy to the beauty that is B. Ward Poetry. Wow, that was nice. <laughs> What's <laughs> up, my darling? Peace, peace. How are you today? I'm doing okay. If I can be transparent, kind of dealing with some grief, it just snuck back up on me, but here I am, allowing it just, just you know, exist and being transparent. Oh, everything. no, that's, that's okay, because we're going to love on each other today. You got the grief, and I got the... The whole face situation is not good right now. Like, I just want to be at home in the bed. Mm. But we push through as artists. We got to do what we got to do to make, it, to make it do what it do. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. We ain't no punks. We put them capes on and we come on out and we make it do what it do. That part. Yes. <laughs> 
So we're going to have a beautiful conversation about your artistry and who B-Ward Poetry is. So before we go any further, tell us about the name B-Ward Poetry. Why is that your pen name? Yeah, B-Ward Poetry. So I wish I could remember the other names or aliases that I went by, but I know it started when I was living in Texas and I wanted to change the way that I performed. I wanted to change what I wrote about and I wanted to be really specific to me. So I put my name in the poetry, so therefore I'm not straying away with fancy metaphors or hiding behind my words, my real experiences. This is me, this is B-Ward Poetry, and it's really as simple as that. That's what's up, and that's important, branding. You are branding yourself, because mm-hmm. you are B-Ward, and and you, you've taken yourself and your name and incorporated it into your art, which is very important. So when people think about poetry, oh, be war. Yeah, be war poetry. Yes, yes. That's smart. I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) Artists, pay attention. Pay attention to what she's putting down because she's definitely going to put it down for us today. So you talk about your poetic journey and, and where you started. You wanted to come up with your name, which is your name. But when did you start writing poetry? Hmm. I started writing poetry when I was young in like a little book, which I think, I don't know. I wish I still had it. Keep your artwork, keep your poetry, all that you write, keep that because you're going to be like, oh, I wish I still had it like I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I started writing when I was young. But I guess the real question for me would be, when did you start performing and actually showing the world your talent and all that? It started in college. Yeah, it started when I... um. I took a spoken word course from Dr. Curry at U of M Flint. I'm going to say her name loudly. Dr. Curry, Dr. Curry from U of M Flint. (laughs) You know, she came in, you know, black don't crack. So I thought she was a student actually, but she came in and then she was just like, she came in as her intro was a poem, you Mm -hmm. know, and she's like, you may know me, but next thing you know, she's rolling out the whole syllabus in her piece. And I'm just like, okay, this is a thing, you know what I'm saying? And to see somebody that looked like me, it's just like, okay, I'm intrigued, you know, I'm intrigued. And so from there, I just started, you know, um, Poets and Writers Society was a club on campus, and I joined that shyly, you know, didn't even perform just yet, just looking at everybody else, looking at Poets and Flint, Key Ray, if you know her, sometimes she comes to my open mic Mm -hmm. events as well. Um, But yeah, you know, just started in college. Wow, and I and I see there's a commonality with a few of my previous guests that they found the love for the word in college, not before, but it didn't hit them until college. Why why didn't you discover your love for the word before you made it to college? What hmm. aside from your teacher who brought you there, when did you when did you know that it was important for you to embrace poetry? Before college? Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, why Why didn't you embrace it before college, before it was introduced to you by your teacher? I guess I embraced my expression in college, but I embraced just writing and releasing as a child as I went through, secretly went through my trauma. I used the notebooks, you know, that I would secretly write in and write different poetry and just create that way. I don't know where that came from. Mm. <laughs> this need to release or know that I can release through poetry. Maybe it's still back in school. You know, you write these assignments and whatnot. I was always the student, you know, that would be like, I wrote this. And it's like, you didn't need to do that much. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just the need to release. 
Yeah, there's power in the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you recognize that at a young age. And doing so is taking you into finding this love for the word and creating poetry, curating events, and doing what you do with that love that you found for poetry. Mm-hmm. And it is most definitely something that will help you out of traumatic situations get you through a bad day instead of reacting with this you react with this Mm -hmm. so it's definitely a very good outlet to release whatever it is that's inside of you and today we're going to talk about power just just me researching you and knowing who you are knowing what it is you do how strong you are as a wordsmith um, we're going to focus on that power today if that's cool I say Ashe, oh, let's go. <laughs> so why why did you start writing poetry after you found this love? What made you start writing? Um, hmm. What made me start writing? You know, I just keep going back to the need to release. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's really simple for me as to why I started writing. It's just the need to release and the need to tell people about it. You know to get it out of your body. You know, we hold these, this trauma, these feelings, these thoughts inside of us so much, and then we don't have a place for them to go, and then they're trapped inside of us, and then that shows up in our body, it shows up in our mental health, and such and such. That's why you hear a lot of um, high school classes, middle school classes, they're always like, you know, their creative arts writing program is the most powerful one. Kids love it, kids love it, because kids go through things, and they don't always have that outlet to release. So, I mean, I don't know, it's just important, the release. The release. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because when we internalize, it just gets, it just adds up. It wells up. Mm-hmm. And if you don't let it go, once you do let it go, it's like a big bomb and you explode and you're like, ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're writing for that release, it, it helps helps you along. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very. I can definitely tap into that and say that. Uh, poetry has helped me get getting me through quite a few situations where I would otherwise act differently or react differently but poetry reels me in and keeps me together mm-hmm. <laughs> so which poetic form are you more likely to use when you write which which do you gravitate to well, first off, for sure, free verse. I mean, because that's the most free and mm-hmm. the most unstructured. Because when I approach my writing, I try not to be so structured because that limits. Um, but if I had to narrow it down even more, um, I would say narrative, where I tell stories. Um, and even sometimes, you know, political, or what is it, satire, when you, like, kind of approach a serious topic, you know, a political topic, through like you know satire I guess that's yeah pretty much but all of my works combine a lot of elements you know to the point where it's like what is the genre here you know it's just all of the above whatever comes whatever flows out Mm -hmm. what comes up comes out and Mm -hmm. goes on the page and to the stage exactly literally Yes, yes, yes. And you do it very well. Appreciate that. Yeah. So you you talked about the different genres that you, what poetic form you usually write in, but what genres do you favor? Mm. If I could be honest, I I have trouble with that question because I thought that poetic form and genre are the same thing, unless, Mm -hmm. 
You can school me on something. Yeah, if, if you write more love poetry, you uh, write more political pieces, um, erotic, uh, which which do you prefer? Mm. What genre? Is healing a genre? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and then I'm also just now expanding myself to erotic poetry, you know, just testing my limits to see how far I can go, what I can write about. Um, but yeah, it's really just the phase of my life that I'm in, you know, so I am not phasing out of healing poetry mm-hmm. or empowerment poetry, but it's kind of like once you release something, let it go. You know, you don't want to keep, you know, bringing up your trauma just to talk about it again. And then everybody loves this piece. And then you're going to talk about it again. It's like, you kind of have to just kind of let things settle mm-hmm. in the dust, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, love, it's such a hard question because everything, all of the above, all of the above. And that's good that you do write in different genres because that's going to take you far with your poetry, whereas you aren't just pigeonholed into being one type of poet. Your words can travel through different events, different, um, different, um, where am I, where am I going with this? Like, Different um, different people. You can mm-hmm, reach mm-hmm. students. You can reach um, community members. And if you have pieces for every person, mm-hmm. then you'll be able to travel far with your work. Exactly. Yeah, I, I wish that purposeful was a genre because I really enjoy. Um, so I'm a part of the Guild, and I really enjoy working with the Guild because they push you to write for a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, say the engineering um, what's it called? The engineering uh, department at U of M Ann Arbor needs a piece to talk about ethical engineering. It's like, okay, you must do your research so you can know what you're talking about. And then you have to transmute that into a poetic, you know, form or mm-hmm. poetic wor- words. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really enjoy writing in different channels, challenging myself. I want to write for a purpose. I enjoy writing just because, but I really enjoy writing for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And you do it well. I mean, Thank every you. piece that I've heard of yours, it is telling a story and it's very poignant. And you seem to select your work for different spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how how do you do that? Are you just get into the room? Like for me, I'll go to the room. I'll sit in the back feel the energy, then that gives me an example of what it is that I should be bringing to the audience. Mm-hmm. Although I may have in in my head what I want to do for them, the energy in the room might shift where I need to bring something else. So how does that work for you? Yeah, pretty much the same. And when you talk about feeling the energy, it's like, I don't know, you just kind of feel the energy. <laughs> you have to, first of all, ground yourself to even feel the energy, but that's a whole another podcast. But yeah, I just <laughs> observe and feel the energy as I walk into a space and also knowing like, you know, what is the open mic like? So I may have went to this open mic previously to fill it out. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to perform. There was a time where I just was like, okay, you have to perform. You have nothing, you know, it was like a, a New Year's resolution where I'm like, I have to perform. Whenever I have the chance to perform, I have to perform mm-hmm. just to kind of push myself. But now it's like, okay, what piece am I going to do? What is relative to this space? What do I think people need to hear also? Because, you know, sometimes I may want to say the complete opposite of the main narrative in that space just because I want to wake some people up. You know, I love Mm -hmm. waking people up. Yes. I do. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) 
And we talk about power. Our words have power. Mm -hmm. When did you realize that your words have power? And then I'm going to share a story when I realized mine did. Mm, I want to hear that story. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So as I'm talking about waking people up, um, what the moment that I think about is when I first stood on stage for Black Student Union at my college campus and my advisor was like, go out there and say something, Brittany. And I'm like, mm. this was like, you know, back in the day, Brittany, where she's <laughs> not doing too much. She's probably going to make a flyer, but she's not about to go out there. And then I did. And I was literally shaking, but like I felt the power, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then. As I continue my uh, experience with Black Student Union at U of M Flint, a predominantly white campus that says it all, mm-hmm. I realize how that galvanized people to also be a part of the movements that we are creating. I'm like, oh, this is happening in real time. You know what I'm saying? So, and I feel it, you know, that's, that's my answer. Like when I first said something on a stage against violence in Flint, you know, it was gu- a lot of gun violence happening in Flint at the time. And, you know, I'm not even going to get to mm-hmm. that, but, um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that was that was the first time I realized it. I felt it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's that energy, that poetic energy, will definitely fuel you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you felt it. I I would love to have been a fly or in that <laughs> room, just to see the reactions from the people when you dropped whatever piece that it is that you dropped mm. in the, in that room. I'm sure it was powerful. You know, honestly, it wasn't a piece though. Mm-hmm. It was actually me just saying what I felt about the events taking place in Flint, what I felt we needed to do as an organization, as a community, you know? And I mean, that pretty much sums up my poetry too. Like I say exactly what I want to say Mm -hmm. and what changes I want to see when it comes to my political poetry, you know? Um, It's definitely more creative in word usage and such, but it's still the same purpose. Absolutely, as you should be, an unapologetic artist. Mm -hmm. Yes. So so my, I realized words had power in the fourth grade when I wrote a letter to a teacher's aide who was trying to tell me what to do, and I wasn't feeling it at all. So I wrote the letter, and a few months later she approached my mom, and they were really excited about the words I used, telling her to basically go kick rocks and leave me the hell alone, go on somewhere with your opinion. Mm-hmm. But after I got that whooping, <laughs> I'm like, well, let me um, reel some of these words back and be a little bit more selective about what I say and who I say it to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we'll get into your video, Black Girls. Okay. So do you feel you have a dis- responsibility to deliver the word? Mm. Hmm. Yes, as it relates to my gifts and my talents that I've been blessed with, yes. But I think my responsibility lays more in how I deliver the word and the place that I come from, um, which because it's a spiritual element there. So it's like, okay, you must respect the spirit behind the word. You have to respect where these words come from and what they can do for people. You have to respect that power that it has. And so that's what I try to do every time I have an event. I try to remain pure in that. It's hard because people just be, be peopling. <laughs> Jason to tell you. But it's like, <laughs> I'd be like, so Jason, why? Uh? But then, you know, just realizing like, okay, we're just going to approach this with the most purest heart that we can, you know, 
things happen unintentionally, but at least our intention, my intention, is always to do good amongst the people, amongst the community, and such and so forth, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, because people do be people. They do. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get into your video, Black Girls. I said black girls are so beautiful with our cocoa skin and curly smiles. Black girls are so beautiful as we effortlessly shine in darkness and light our eyes, telling of lullabies to wake you up at night. Black girls are so beautiful. Even when we sit and think about what's for dinner, black girls are forever with us with our past lives. Natural plum lips, picks and thighs, our bodies carry roles that stretch and leave marks of life. Black girls move to vibrations we feel in our bones, kicking up fairy dust that we brought from our homes. Moving body parts that embrace our sexuality the way we want to. Black girls keep their kinks concealed and untouchable, revealed and lovable. With our box braids, crochet and starter locks intertwined with wisdom and black home. Black girls have enough power to remove you from your so-called throne. That was dope. Thank you, thank you. You had Sid back there on the guitar, right? And you walked it down. You were really, you really finessed that piece. Mm. Uh, some people, when they perform with music, they don't actually know how to finesse the piece so that it flows with the music. How did you find? Do you find the rhythm when mm. you perform with music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. Um, it's a frequency, so it's like. My voice may have sounded a little bit deeper there if you listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just kind of like got to like 
Man, I wish I can explain this because I come from a spiritual lens to this, you know, I want to call it this work, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just like. I also make music, too. You know, I listen to a lot of music. I have an eclectic taste in music. So I guess that adds to it. Um, You just got to listen to the the, the bass, got to listen to the tone Mm -hmm. of the sound. And you have to kind of like be at the same pace as music. You know, Sydney, he was just like. You know, and so I have to also. Now, if he was playing like, you know, I was like, black girls are so beautiful with all effort, you know. Yeah. It's just feel the music. Absolutely. Tap into that frequency. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If anyone would like to call in and ask B Ward any questions, the call in number is 313. 266-2811 or call in and drop us a haiku on power. That is our topic for today. So you curate some of the dopest events at some of the dopest spots here in Detroit. And I have you to thank for introducing me to quite a few spaces here in the city. What made you start curating poetry events? Jason, no, I'm just. <laughs> I can believe it. <laughs> no, I don't know. What was it? Because it's like I was thinking, like, hmm. Because I've always been creating events. Like, I'm gonna put on an event. You know, poetry uh, event with my sorority. I'm going to put on an event. But then I saw literally this is how it started. You know, honestly, Jason posted something on his Facebook. He was like, who is a poet in Detroit and would like to, um, host an open mic or something like that. And then I mm-hmm. was like, Hmm, Ashley talked it over with my dad. And I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about hosting open mics. And he was like, okay. Cause I'm always doing something. He's like, really? You should, you should hit him back. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I hit Jason back and he ain't know that I lived in Detroit because I so much Flint on my page, you know? And then I'm like, yeah, I live in Detroit. I just went to Flint for five years for school. Okay. And then he's like, okay. I don't even remember how to, how it happened, but I just got in conversation with him, you know? And then we we're like looking for a venue space and then, it just kind of took off from there. Now, why I kept doing it is because I love to curate spaces of release. You know, you could mm-hmm. fill in the word poetry with anything. It's like, why do you create spaces, Brittany? And I'm like, because I love to see people feel free in their bodies, feel free in their identity, feel free just existing. Mm-hmm. And I love to cultivate love and community. Like, it just feels so good to see that and witness that. And no, I had a hand in creating it, you know. Yes, and you do it well. Thank you. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So which of the spaces that you've hosted events is your favorite here in Detroit? Mm. Honestly, it's Spotlight. You know, Spotlight with Sunrise Detroit because it's it's really free there. You know, I, I visited that place first as a dance floor, and I was like, ooh, yeah. I like this. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll, I call it a portal because it's just a, so many different people come from different walks of life, but we all about to do the same thing tonight, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. or this morning, to morning, you know. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be Spotlight, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's dope, that's dope. But I don't think I've ever been there. Where is that? Spotlight is on a street that I should know the name of. Okay. Okay. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know the next time Definitely you're going to be side. there. Okay. Definitely on the east side. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> I should know. 
So when you take the stage, you like instance when you perform. Mm. Why is that? <laughs> yeah, because I be, you know, my nerves be shaking. You know what I'm saying? You could call it just, I just be nervous, or you could call it spirit be moving. I'm going to say spirit be moving, you know, and I just got to calm myself. But um, I don't know. It just calms myself. So it's something happening there, you know, call it what you want. But um, I also notice that the audience calms, and then those that come up to the stage is calm. You know, I just want to... When you smell that knock champa, what they say is like the poet's incense. Yes. But it's like, dang, it smelled good. What? You know. Right. <laughs> but um, when you smell it, you just kind of calm yourself. You know, you be at home, you like incense, you calm yourself. A candle, calm yourself. It's something to it. You know, I don't know the scientific terms, but it's spirit, honestly. It's the wind, it's the breath. As we speak about elements, you know, bringing elements to the stage. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. I can see it. I can smell it. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm smelling what you're putting down. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because I just, once you said Notch Champa, <laughs> I kind of smell the aura of mm-hmm. it just by the mention of the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. You, you're you one of the only poets that I've seen here in the city do that, and, and that's just like your signature. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. dope. And you also call on the ancestors mm-hmm. um, and the earth with your performances. Why is that important for you to do do that, and why do you do that? It speaks to your previous question about the responsibility piece, mm-hmm. and I feel like I have a responsibility to bring them to the stage, to bring my ancestors, to open up the space for you know other people to bring their ancestors on stage. And it also brings people back to realize why we're doing this work in the first place, why we are releasing ourselves and the importance of it, you know. And it brings me back to, you know, remove ego, because ego be there, you know. People looking mm-hmm. at you, wow, you know, let's be real. But yeah. it's like, you know, you, to respect where these words came from and the journey that it took, the spiritual aspect to that journey that allowed it to even take place. You know, it's just like this whole reverence and respect thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, we have to give pay homage to the ancestors because without them, we wouldn't be here. We learned our lessons mm-hmm. from them, and whether we believe it or not, they are still looking out for us mm-hmm. when we need them. Mm-hmm. Like. For real, for, for real, real, for real, for real, yeah, for real, like, for real. <laughs> yes, yes. All my ancestors were in my dreams mm. Friday evening. I was in so much pain. Mm. They just came and comforted me, mm. and it was exactly what I needed when I needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. I say yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So like, come through, come yes. through to the yes. open bikes. You know, ancestors, we need you. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> So can you drop us a piece? Oh, I sure can drop you a piece or two. Yes, yes. Just, <laughs> just, just give us one right now. Okay, okay. Hmm, which one should I perform? I'm going to perform mm. this poem that I don't normally have a lot of spaces where I can perform this poem. Okay. Because it's kind of, you know, but after the Roe versus Wade, you know, um, I realized that this poem was specific to that, but I didn't write it for Roe versus Raid and everything that went with that. But um, I do want to perform that, and I do want to say Roe versus Raid before I perform this poem as we talk about purposeful poetry. But this is just a poem about, you know, my experience as a woman and how I, I uh, translate a lot of the BS that goes on with mm. that. So here it goes. Let's get it. You don't know what it takes. You don't know what it takes. 
to exist in this body that bleeds and sheds. Yes, this is a poem about periods. <laughs> Period. About cycles and close call pregnancies. I'm tired of switching between pussy and vagina when I'm not even horny. Mm. I refuse to put limits on all she can be. The warmest, tightest hug. The beginning of all humanity. Known to drive a boy to insanity. Mm. Sucks that we have to over-sexualize just to maintain comfortability. Gotta be for men because all women know this is happening. Mm. But you're gonna love this pussy, eat it out, and buy me CVS tings. <laughs> Not in that order, obviously. Talk about a red flag. <clears throat> I pray you learn to appreciate your majesty. Her Excellency, formerly known as Miss Drive You Crazy, Drive You Crazy, Drive You Crazy, because it's from a space of triple moist darkness you came to be. How mm. can something that's been happening to women for centuries be disgusting? Mm. Fuck the patriarchy, this vagina bleeds mm. every month, and you wish your penis was as complex as these ovaries. Mm. <laughs> I'm over it. But shout out to the man who patiently wait and asks if there's anything you need from me. Baby... Just give me three more days and you can have this pussy. That's that piece. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so necessary. Mm-hmm. And there's always a space for that piece. Considering where we are mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. politically, how women's bodies are being subjected mm-hmm. to a group of people who don't even have pussies who know nothing about a pussy. Truly. Probably never even had any pussy. Truly. But <laughs> <laughs> we're subjected to to these laws. And I really feel for my, my nieces and my mm. great-nieces and my great-great-nieces coming up because they aren't going to be afforded the, the rights mm-hmm. that I had, that my mm-hmm. aunties had, that my mothers had. So it's that piece is very, very important. Mm-hmm. So whenever you get a chance to spit that okay, shit, okay, because spit you that told shit. me to. So yeah. next time y'all hearing me, <laughs> yes, spit that shit. Once the girl says, I'm gonna say it right before my. <laughs> I can say this poem, so bear with me. Yes, yes, sure. Make make people uncomfortable. I know, right? With, yeah, yeah. with that art, get them into uncomfortable spaces, mm-hmm. and that gives people something to think about, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a thought to ponder that may change their way of thinking about some things. Like you touched on going to CVS. Some men won't even go to CVS mm. to buy Bye. feminine products <laughs> for their woman who they say they love, mm. what they love to occupy that space, mm. but they won't do what it takes mm. to keep that space going. Mm-hmm. 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 So yeah, that that piece is very, very necessary. Yeah, I want to say hey to Squeeze. Squeeze is listening, and hey Richard. Richard is always coming on to everybody's podcast. Hey there, thank you guys so much peace, for tuning peace. in. Y- y'all having a good time listening to B Ward and her poetry. I told you guys you were going to be in awe as much as I am and very much entertained because she's got a lot of power, power in that word, definitely. And she is doing the damn thing here in the city for the word. So we just did this event um, at the Irwin House called Mm. Off the Mic, which was absolutely amazing and very necessary. What is the premise behind Off the Off the Mic? 
Off the mic currently is still a work in progress, but I will say from the start of it, it was a conversation between me and Three-Face Poet. He shared his thoughts about an event to bring together artists, to bring together poets, and just celebrate, you know, us existing together in one space because there's not really any spaces that aren't virtual for us to just exist and not perform, not to be a competition, not to you know, have a slam, but literally just to exist and celebrate our collective existence. So that's what it started off as. And after that event that you're talking about, it grew into this more, we want to focus on history and archive. We want to focus on um, providing workshops and opportunities for poets. We want to focus on um, our role as a community as we curate and go to and experience spaces that should be safe and that should, you know, not censor people because people feel uncomfortable with their identity. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's growing, you know, mm-hmm. so those three sectors could change as well. You know, how we frame them could change, but it's literally building as we have events, as we hear from people as yourself speak, you know, OG poets in the game, you know, Aurora Harris, you know, Omari Barksdale, mm-hmm. Three-Face Poet, um, DJ Sparrow, Am I missing anyone because I don't want to? Gabby. Um, Sheezy. Sheezy Bobo. Sheezy Bobeezy. <laughs> you know, and also reaching out to more poets that are just fresh in the game as well, hearing from them why they don't go to certain spaces. You know, I heard Viney talk about she wants to create spaces where a predator feels uncomfortable. It's like, ah, yes. uh, yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's exactly what Off the Mic could be and should be because I don't want it to just be like, B-War, Squeeze, Three-Face is off. You know, I want it to be like this collective effort. That's why I push people to fill out the form. Fill out the form so we can get your name, get answer some of these questions that's specific to you as a poet in Detroit so we can create this space together, you know. But that's off the mic. So far, dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. More yeah. to come. We need more safe spaces. Mm-hmm. And we need people to know that we are creating these safe spaces and once you get there if if you're not going to make it safe mm-hmm. then you don't need to be there find something else for you to do mm-hmm. we we appreciate the support but we want to feel safe enjoying this thing ca- called art mm-hmm. we want to feel safe sharing pieces of ourselves on the microphone mm-hmm. no matter where it is no matter what venue we're in mm-hmm. and that's important because it if you don't feel safe, it stifles the artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and we need to be able to express ourselves safely. Yes. So, yeah, I applaud you and thank you so much for creating those types of spaces here Thanks in the D. Thanks for supporting and coming through. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so where has poetry taken you? Mm, poetry, hmm, where has it taken me? As it relates to, like, what exactly are you saying? Like, um, like where has it taken you physically and where has it taken you mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Mm. Because I approach spoken word with such a spiritual lens, I'll say first where it t- has taken me um, mentally. It's taken me through journeys of healing, you know, um, and where has it taken me physically? I mean, I take spoken word wherever I am. So, you know, I started my journey in Detroit, and then I graduated from high school, and I went to Flint for five years. And then from Flint, I went to Texas. And then from Texas, I went to Arizona. 
and then I graduated and then I came back to Detroit. But it's like I carried the spoken word with me in those different sectors, whatever was needed in those spaces, either it's just me performing or even it's just me um, writing purposeful poetry for the projects that I'm literally working on in school and incorporating that into like even my thesis project and, you know, events that I'm throwing. So I don't know. It's like this hand in hand thing. Where has it taken me? Where has I, you know, where did I take it? Where does it take, you know, mm-hmm. it's just ends up from, from people hearing me speak the spoken word. I guess it has taken me into spaces where I can like this, for example, reflect on it. It's taken me into a dope podcast, you know, opportunity to share what I'm doing. It's taken me into spaces that people trust that I'm going to bring my full self and that I'm transparent enough to even be in their spaces I don't know. It's just um, it's giving me a lot of trust in community. Um, hopefully that answers the question. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. And what are the goals that you have for yourself with poetry? Um, two words. Uh, yeah, I think it's two words. Um, <laughs> secure funding, secure funding. Like I really have a, I, like I say, I'm a throwing event. But you know what I'm tired of? What? Tired of throwing an event. And being like, okay, well, you know, because I'm going to make it happen, too. I'm going to throw an event, and I'm going to make it happen. But I'm tired of, you know, trying to just pull together what you can for what you can when you can do it. Okay, we got it. Cool. Okay, uh, now I got to carry this, and I got to put this big ladder in my car, and I have to do this and that and this. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I want to be able to secure funding. I want to not have to always pull out of pocket. You know, I want Mm -hmm. to actually even have events where – Okay, well, whatever we receive at the door, we split that with the poets. You know, that's the best way to do it. But also, I want to be like, yeah, we're going to give you $200 to perform. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I want to be able to say that for poets. You know, I want to create opportunity for poets. So this is a route that I've never taken. I know it's possible because I've seen it done before. But it's just like I want to, you know, actually create structures that can leave a physical legacy, not just like, oh, I remember B. Ward. She used to have those events. You know, it's like, no, nah, she created something that, like, is still here and still thriving, you know, respectfully. So, yeah, that's 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 where it is. And also, I'm working on a book. Yeah, as I say that, for the second year in a row, Dope. I've been working on a book. Um, yes. <laughs> <and it's> like, <laughs> yeah, going to get this book out. Um, going to get this book out, you okay. know, Ashe. Uh-huh. It is so. Yeah, you got this. When when it's, when it's time for it to be born, I know, born, right? I know, it will right. be. You yeah, know, yeah. it's the incubation period. It's still mm-hmm. nurturing itself in the womb, and you know, you when it's ready to be born, it will most definitely come on out. Thank you. <laughs> and there are, I mean, you, you support so many different people and so many different venues, so many different products. Tap into some of those people to sponsor some mm. of your events. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that would definitely help you. And I got a couple of resources I'll send your way. Yes. Thank yep. you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So can you drop us one more piece? I sure can. Um, this last piece is in reverence of my father. Like I started off saying, I've been dealing with that. So it's like, as I speak about my poetry speaks to what I'm going through. I'm going to write, I'm going to speak this piece that I wrote about my father. Um, I actually performed it at the Foundations of Fatherhood, which I've never heard of. It was like a workshop for fathers in Detroit. Nice. Um, Yeah, and then they reached out to me to perform, and they literally had no idea that I had experienced this. So it was literally right on time. 
just like you was right on time, but that's uh, that's another conversation. Okay. But okay. <laughs> I'm gonna try to do this without crying, but if I do, just bear with me, hey. y'all. It's really okay. You know what I'm saying? Grief is a thing and it just is what it is. You in a safe space. Do your thing, boo boo. Okay. <clears throat> I miss my dad every day now. This grief grows like a weeping willow. Like cool shade on the other side of pillow, like protection that feels somewhat spiritual. But I miss you in the physical. 30 years with me, three weeks at the hospital, his forehead, I kissed it, his hand, I held it. Thinking I'm still too young for these growing pains. His breath was last to remain. It left his body and filled my own life. Now reflects his impact on mine. Thinking back. I was just a little kid, snotty nose, putting on his work boots, something fun to do, running errands endlessly just to spend time with you. Sitting at the kitchen table as you paid the bills, I could only imagine the ticket for a house with three kids. Hmm. Waking up on a school night when I heard you come home from Chrysler, we secretly ate fries and spoke laughter. Good nights, you gave me kisses on my forehead. That's the love I knew. Hmm. Good mornings. Gathered my kinks and coils when mama needed you to. Good evenings. Cooked me home on a platter or TV dinners that would just have to do. <laughs> I miss you. And your protection. Drawn out lessons, familial blessings, forgotten instructions that I see now shape me. He raised me like a father figuring it out. Fed my closed mouth. You seemed to speak my language when everyone wondered what I was crying about. Thank you for those moments you didn't judge when I wore out the house. I was still your firstborn daughter. Anything she wanted, you bought her. Remember the music just like you taught her. I miss my dad every day now. But I'm grateful to have something to miss, something to write, something that feels it. Good luck to the man who tried. Good luck to me not accepting any type of guy. My dad did everything he could. There's no such thing as perfect, but I know if it was achievable, he would. Ashe. Ashe, yo. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's dope. I can see why they wanted you to perform that piece. Yeah, because it celebrates men and we bash men so much. Mm. We don't celebrate them as much as we should. Mm. And I mean, that's that's a, another poetic topic because mm. we, we should be celebrating our brothers a whole lot more. But brothers, some of y'all make it hard to, for y'all to be celebrated. Mm. I'm just going to keep it real. <laughs> that's church tabernacle. <laughs> mosque. <every. laughs> So tell us where we can find you on the socials. You can find me at B Ward Poetry on Instagram and on Facebook. That's B W A R D Poetry, or you can just go on www.brittanyward. That's B R I T T I N I W A R D dot com. www.brittanyward.com or B Ward Poetry. Yes, y'all connect and tap in to B. Ward. She has some amazing events coming up. She's curating safe spaces. Mm -hmm. You've heard her poetry. She's got the word. And she's just a beautiful spirit, speaking power into the universe. 
Thank you so much for coming on and being my guest today. Thank you for yes. having me. Yes, yes. I look forward to everything that you have going on, and we're going to secure some funding for you. Ashe. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. And make it do what it do. Make it do what it do, baby. We are here every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can find us at Podcastic, simply Podcastic on Facebook or go to podcastic.com to catch up on any of the prior episodes or go to One Single Rose on Facebook and we keep everything updated so that you guys can be in the know of what's going on poetically here in the city and in different areas of the world. We do have our next guest next week will be Afi and a few um, other surprises coming up. Mm -hmm. So y'all stay tuned to Poetic podcast and thank y'all so much for the love i'm going to leave you guys with a piece since we ended with something for the fellas this is for you guys mm. it's called um goliath brown mm. never knew equality after being subjected to prejudices spent worldwide chocolate mahogany hazel sienna olive my actions have always been typified by the darkness of my skin Perceived as a threat since the, the, since the beginning of time, a man like me was present the Monday after God created the heavens and the earth. My struggle began with why in the woman has since plagued my existence. Why do opportunities that fall into my lap scrutinize my very being? Why does Matthew take home more pay than Laquan, but, that, but they both do the same job? <laughs> why do leisurely afternoon drives become DWB breaking news at five? Why was I terminated after... Training a fair-skinned equal who had no experience before we met. Why are my species incarcerated, being taught trades so they return as productive members of society only to find more padlock interests where they're qualified to roam free? Tears wet for me, B.C. and A.D. I knew nothing about theft before my ancestors were stolen from the motherland. Keloids from their wombs. Mm -hmm. Keloids from their salted wounds on my back break me down, but I will not buckle after being backed into a corner. Stones thrown my way were bubblegum chewed and excreted in front of every plantation door. Always imitated but never duplicated, two of any other kind could never produce one of me. I wrestle in the shadows as a black man while my inner light fills the cosmos because I am a star. Mm. One single rose, no stem. See y'all next week. Wee. Taking some time to keep it real. I'm gonna give it to you straight up in your face with no chasers on.
I'm trying.